All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we are here once again to dismember, what do I always say? Dissect, dismember, and discuss a horror movie of the episode. So this week's horror movie is going to be Hellraiser Inferno, the fifth uh, video in the Hellraiser series. This one was direct-to-video and is widely regarded as one of the better direct-to-video sequels in the Hellraiser series. I know that's a lot of, you know, characteristics to assign to this thing, but that's kind of what I hear about it. Anyway, Andrew, how are we doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty good, man. It's, like, really nice out. I'm getting my next vaccination next week. I'm, like, finishing an alien novel today. It's, like, peak First Andrew off, time. Pfizer or Moderna? Uh, Pfizer all the way, bro. Pfizer all the way. Pfizer bros for life. Second, Woo-hoo! another alien novel for Andrew. You know, we yeah, are exactly um, one minute and five seconds into this episode, and we've already referenced Alien. Thanks I'm just saying, man, it's a, it's it's actually a pretty, it's like a, it's a video game tie-in novel they just released, and it's like actually pretty fucking good. For what uh, video game? Uh, aliens, what's that game coming out? Fire Team, I think. It's like, oh. it's this like a alien four four person survival game they're releasing in like the summer. Oh, so it's like, like Cold Iron Left City. Is. How did I not hear? Yeah, about basically. This? Ah, cool. Oh, get out of here. I thought you said it to me. I thought you sent me a link to it. I probably did, and then I probably forgot about it. Oh. Like, well, it, it looks pretty good. That's all I'm going to say. It looks, cool. it looks pretty good. You know the uh, creators of Left 4 Dead are coming back with another one? Oh, yeah. Be, uh, you can you can pre-order right now. I, I'm thinking about pre-ordering it. Yeah, Back for Blood. I'm that, it's one of those where I'm going to wait for the reviews first, because their last game, Evolve, wasn't very good, and I have a feeling they're just going to tack on a lot of microtransactions onto it, and it's just going to kind of coast on me. Hey, we did Left for Dead. Remember us? And that's it. So I really hope not. Yeah, I loved Left for Dead. That was so great. Wait, have you, I, I know I've asked you this before, but have you, you've, you've played Dead by Daylight before? Yes. You haven't? We've played together. Yeah, okay. We did okay. Well, because yeah, yeah. um, Bill Bill's in it, yeah. From from Left 4 Dead, and actually, so they they released what they were talking, calling out kind of tomes, like uh, books of challenges and stuff that you do. Um, they're released per season where they kind of un- uncover lore. And uh, I think we're on season five or tome five right now, and it's actually um, Bill themed. So like it follows Bill's backstory. So I think they're they're trying to recontextualize Left 4 Dead within the uh, Dead by Daylight universe. That's really cool. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the overarching story for Left 4 Dead was actually, like, they, they pieced it together pretty decently well, honestly, all things considered. Uh, you just, it, dude, yeah, I, remember that, that, that feeling you get when you're playing versus mode, and then you boom, uh, you play as the boomer, and you boom a survivor, oh and then you hear the little dings, and it just goes ding, 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 over and over and again. I've been chasing that high ever since I first heard it. Nothing. Especially if you could, like, jump off of a building and land in front of them and blow up. But oh, that was, God. like, so mm. good. Uh-huh. Or if, or if you cho- No, no. If you play as the smoker and there's a point of yes. no return, like in um, Dead Air, there's that one part where you have to, all four of you, go down a sewer grate mm-hmm. and there's no way to get back up. So if you time it just right as the smoker, you can kind of latch onto someone as three of them jump down, but the fourth one hasn't. And then you just keep them up there and there's nothing they can do about it because they're down there and you're up there. Oh, Dude, right? So or, if, or if you like a charger, you can get them right off that right area. Or you like charge them back off something. Like, yeah. 
or the tank oh, at I... the end of No Mercy, the uh, finale where you just like toss people off the buildings. Yes, yeah, that game was fun. Oh, dude. We should play that game again. We I, should. I can get a I can get a little crew together. We should we should just do a you know if, if any listeners want to play you know message us somehow absolutely because uh, I would I'd be down to play that game again. I fucking love that was like I have so many hours on that game. Like I know that game kind of died out theoretically when we were in like high school, but I played that game all through college and like all my friends knew. It's like what I am like with Overwatch and Dead by Daylight right now. People mm-hmm. are like get Valheim and I, I bought Valheim and I played it for like five minutes. I'm like I'm going back to Overwatch. Bye. Like <laughs> I can't. I couldn't. I could not leave Left 4 Dead 2 alone. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm taking a look right now at my playtime. I have about 200 hours across both games, which is oh, actually damn, I... a lot less than I expected. Wait, wait, give me, give me one second here. Okay. Uh, here, Pat. Pad for time. There's actually some great mods for it as well, where you can get aliens fighting you instead of uh, zombies if mm-hmm. you want. You can have hunters as predators. It's actually kind of pretty sick, and I'm not going to lie. It <laughs> definitely extended the gameplay for me. Um, okay, let me see. Where is my Left 4 Dead? This is really important right now. Um, this is. This is 100%. Seriously, Valve, Left 4 Dead, you made a fantastic game. And Turtle Lock Studios, you did great too. It's wonderful. I'm actually I'm really surprised uh, that, like, I know they talked about a third one coming out for a while. Let's see, I have... It's Valve, they can't count to three. That's true. I have 224 hours. Yeah, it makes sense. That seems not like... I actually doesn't seem like very much. I'm kind of disappointed in myself. <laughs> but like, that really does not seem like a lot. Um, but no, that game was fucking amazing. Yeah. It was I guess game. that's not to count the Xbox version I used to play, so that's also a problem. Oh, that's right, too. I had that in Xbox. All right, cool. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with this movie then. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce it because it was my idea to come up with this movie. Um, basically, mm-hmm. Hellraiser, I've seen the first two movies. I have not seen any other ones not even hell on earth which what i hear is like the absolute worst one of the original trilogy um but basically i've always gotten the impression i've never been super super into the hell raider razor movies sorry clive barker but i do know that it started off as a little bit of body hoarder a little bit of an antagonist who's not really good not really evil just kind of has his own moral code and that's what it comes by and I know in Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, they were trying really, really to push him to be like a Freddy or a Jason and, you know, an iconic horror figure. And it, I feel Pinhead definitely is. Um, you know, Doug Bradley does a great job as Pinhead, and he's been Pinhead for pretty much every single one. But the reason why I chose this one, um, actually, there are two reasons so the immediate reason is I was on Reddit the other day and I'm part of the subreddit called Tip of My Ton, which basically people post, you know, movies or TV shows or music or something that they listened to in the past and they can't remember it anymore. So they describe it and then other people come on in and start talking about it. And someone came on in and started describing the um, scene in this movie where the blood floods out of the door as the victim on the other side is being cut up. And they said they saw that scene as a kid, traumatized them, and they would like to go back and watch it again to face their fears or whatever. So then I saw that scene on YouTube because someone commented and said, oh, it's Hellraiser Inferno. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I haven't seen that movie in a long time, and I remember I liked it. But I was under very weird circumstances when I first watched this movie because it was back in college. We had this, like, common area in my dorm, and then a couple friends and I wanted to play um, Cyberpunk, the uh, tabletop RPG. This was, like, back in, gosh, 15, 20 years ago. Um, now we're, like, 10 years ago. But someone put uh, Hellraiser with their friends, Hellraiser Inferno with their friends on the big screen TV. So I would be playing Cyberpunk, and then I would look behind me, and then I would see, like, 
someone being felt up by these demon ladies and the, you know, hands going under his skin and shit like that. And I remember I always wanted to sit down and really watch it, and I did, and I remember I thought it was fairly decent for a direct-to-video movie, but I hadn't seen it since then. So yes, that's my long-winded saga. Thank you for listening. Andrew, what's your experience with the Hellraiser series? Dude, I love that. I love that we both have a story about this movie. Um, so you know, I... As you know, I've mentioned in the past, I love series that like go on forever. Um, so like I've seen all of these movies. Um, I, I've watched documentaries on the first two. Um, yeah. So in, in college, um, I actually watched. I, I had a friend of like one of my first friends I met in college. Uh, she and I basically sat down and watched all these movies. Like every week, we'd watch one of them. Um, and I definitely remember getting to this movie and being like, "This is fucking different." Um, and, and as Dan mentioned, like, yeah, like, three was really a departure. At the end of two, um, Pinhead's uh, human soul basically is killed. Um, so three kind of took off a jumping point of that where Pinhead lost his humanity and as a result was just a crazy killer. And that movie was really fucked up. It was weird. There's a guy who killed people with CDs and a camera for a head. It was weird as shit. It was very gimmicky. It was very, like, later, uh, like, Freddy's Dead uh, Final Nightmare kind of shit. Um, but no, but this one, I remember watching this one. This is the first of those kind of... Um, Hellraiser movies that weren't originally Hellraiser movies, and they basically rewrote the plot in order to keep the license and false. shoved Pinhead in there. Well, not to keep the license, but to <laughs> no but false, they, 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 false. So remember how we were prepping for this, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I said no, no. like um, you know there was one fact that I, when I did a little bit more research on online that um, there's a common misconception about that movie. That is the common misconception, apparently. So according to IMDb, according to a lot of trivia websites, and even um, uh, even Doug Bradley himself, who plays Pinhead, they said, yeah, this was originally not a Hellraiser movie. It was meant to be something yeah. else. But then they kind of jammed uh, Hellraiser on there. And that makes sense because really it is more of a Jacob's Ladder style psychological thriller where the main character doesn't know what's real and what's not. But apparently the director has gone on the record as saying, no, this was always intended to be a Hellraiser movie. And he's also the one that co-wrote the script as well. So it's really kind of a fact of who do you believe, you know, the guy who plays Pinhead or the guy who directed and wrote the movie. Well, well I also wonder about that. If like, I think sorry, my dog's attacking his crate. Um, so I guess my, my, my one question about that is, is since he co-wrote it and he directed it, maybe from his perspective it was always supposed to be. But I, I, I don't know. I've heard it report a lot that um, the, the next Me kind too, of three yeah. or four movies were all that. And like, it would make sense if he co-wrote it that he was part of the changing into the Hellraiser kind of thing and then he directed it as a Hellraiser movie. Mm. But I thought, I've heard that a lot. I don't know. I don't know if I... Yeah, I still, that's another I, one I, I, too. Because that's what I thought that's, too until I started doing research on this and started really, really looking into it. And I was just like, well, I always thought this wasn't a Hellraiser movie to start off with, but apparently, according to the director, it was. Anyway. I, I'm going to stick with my own mental canon that it is because I've seen the ones after this up until I think Hellraiser. Uh, it's just an R. I can't remember. That's, that's one where they, that was the, the Dimension remake that they did. Not remake, but like the, uh, the more recent of the sequels that came out. The other ones were all very like this, where like Pinhead and them weren't really a big part of it, and they kind of appeared in it. Um, so, except for uh, Hell World, which was very Pinhead centric to a degree, but I still feel like it probably wasn't <laughs> originally a Pinhead yeah. movie. But anyway, it was also pretty um, terrible too. Um, yeah, can we, was, can but, we go back into the director though and talk about this director? Because what a storied yeah. career he's done. So he mm-hmm. started off um, with something called Love in the Ruins, which was a short film. And then he went on to Urban Legends Final Cut in two thousand. Then oh, he sick. went on to the director, Hellraiser Infernal, and get this, 
So he keeps coming. I'm sorry, he wrote Urban Legends. He didn't direct it. This was the first full-length movie he directed. But then when he went on to do The Exorcism of Alien Ro- uh, Emily Rose, The Day the oh, Earth Stood Rose. Still, which was not a great movie. That was the uh, Keanu Reeves remake. Um, Sinister. Oh, yeah. He directed Sinister. Oh, directed and wrote Sinister. Sinister. Deliver Us from Evil. And then also, he is the director of Doctor Strange. Yo, what? Yeah. 2006, he directed Doctor Strange, the Marvel movie. So the same guy directed Hellraiser Inferno and Doctor Strange. Yeah, that, that's like a very similar story to Sam Raimi, kind of. You know, some guy to Evil Dead eventually got to uh, Spider-Man and now Doctor Strange 2. Yeah, so it seems like both Doctor Strange movies are being directed by horror directors. I love it. Primarily horror that, directors. That is crazy. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. And I love that he did Sinister. And uh, yeah, like, I think we'll go back into the tone, but I think the tone of this movie is actually one of the strengths. But just kind of get back to like my reflection on this movie. Like when I, was, when I first watched this, this was the one of all the sequels that like I remembered and I actually kind of loved. So I, like I like these. Like I didn't hear that it was very much liked. I always thought it wasn't. So I'm glad that people do like it because I was uh, myself and my friend who watched it all back then. Like we always had like a soft spot for this movie because it's so fucking different. But I feel like what it does at the end and what it kind of implies is really interesting. Even if maybe the seven like ripoff story is not amazing. Yeah, yeah, the overarching plot is not amazing, but, I mean, it has some great visuals. Overall, I think, I I, I like, I, I feel like I say this a lot in this podcast, but I feel like I like this movie, I don't love it. I feel like they did a lot of interesting things, and it's definitely rough. I mean, oh my god, there are some, you know, <laughs> director techniques and camera angles and acting and budget that are just really, really iffy. Um, you really do have to take it out, but they were trying something different. And I always do in any form of media, I always appreciate stuff that tries to do something different, even if they don't quite stick the landing. Exactly. No, I agree. But I, I, wait, so you said this came out after the final cut of, uh, Urban Legends. Yes. Uh, it looks like they released in the same year, 2000. So So that means Urban Legends one came out before this. Yes, that is correct. Holy shit. Like, I mean, just, like, I, in my mind, I'm like, ah, shitty old movie. I get it. But, like, the the film quality at times of this movie was really fucking bad. So, but I guess it's made for TV. So, I guess that, or, like, not, you know, direct to DVD, so not very high budgets. That, that makes no, sense. Like, I, I guess I, that makes sense as to what it's like. Because I was thinking, like, Sleep Stalker's effects might be better than this movie's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. But I, I think that kind of adds to it. Because I think it kind of gives it that old, like, noir film kind of look. That grainy look. Which I think, that smoky kind of look. Which I think it needs to be mm-hmm. what it is. I don't know. Yeah. So, I did do a little bit of research in terms of the production of this movie. And basically, from what I could tell, is Clive Barker was pitching a couple different ideas for the next Hellraiser movie. One of which was that a um, lament... Um, configuration was actually enclosing london and taking it over entirely oh, yeah and they the, the producers were just like no that's just way too much money um <laughs> so they refer direct to video one so they basically uh clyde barker he was eventually barred due to creative decisions um uh, disagreements for that and they did take on the script by paul harris boardman and scott derrickson who's uh, once again the director and they basically said to the director derrickson said hey we're going to give you ten thousand dollars direct a single scene from the film and if we like it we'll hire you on as the director and that's what they did and yeah it was released it made a bit of a splash i guess but you know it's kind of been forgotten but i feel like once again public consensus is this is one of the better direct-to-video 
Hellraiser sequels because it tries to do something different. I don't know. I I feel like Deader and that other one both try to do something different, but they just do something bad. Like, like if if I like, I feel like this is the start of the meandering Hellraiser movies where you're not quite sure where the fuck it's going. This one just sticks the landing. The other ones don't really stick. What I think one of them involves like a cult and like other shit. So like this one sticks the landing in the end. The other ones really don't. But I, I would say that this one and, and the ones that follow very much meander in the same way. And you're kind of like, what the fuck is happening with this mm-hmm. movie? And there definitely is some pacing issues with this movie. Like there, there are some scenes that just go on way too long or you just you're not sure where this is going next. And sometimes that's not a good thing. Sometimes I felt like the movie was just kind of stringing me along for the ride and I wanted a little bit more context as to what was going on. So anyway, mm-hmm. I guess we should actually talk about the movie now and not just Oh, the yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's so do it. Uh, what's, what's this movie about, Andrew? Uh, so do you just want a general overview? Yeah, general overview. Let's go for All it. Right, general overview. So this movie follows our buddy, John Thorne, a detective, a cop, down on his luck, might be kind of crooked, kind of weird, likes to do coke. And he, in a very kind of like seven style, is um, following this serial killer um, as he kind of goes along and leaves messages behind um, for Thorne to follow. And uh, he's basically cutting off fingers, leaving them behind at his crime scenes as he murders people around John. Um, and at one point during the movie, um, John starts hearing about somebody called the Engineer. And he, uh, this is kind of dark figure that he's trying to find. Um, and uh, he ends up finding um on one of the crime scenes one of the victims uh houses he ends up finding uh the lament the lament configuration um opens it up and this one it kind of opens by itself which happens a lot in the movies but this one very this one it doesn't even like give him a chance it just opens up in front of him mm-hmm. um which is weird can we talk about that for a second because yeah. the very opening scene is our detective and i just i gotta do the movie theater voice joseph thorne is a corrupt deborah police detective he likes his coke and he likes his prostitute, but he's a family man as well. And blah 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 blah. Yeah, this main character's a total asshole. But the is he a family scene... man? No, he's not. He has a family, I... but he's not a family man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like the opening scene is him, you know, playing a chess game, and you know, he's taking a phone call while in the middle of the chess game and still kicks the butt to the other chess master. There's the one line in there where. God, think it's on wiki quotes i had it pulled up anyway there's this one line there where his partner was just like hey what's an anagram for slaughterhouse and then he thinks to himself and then says some really obscure word i can't remember so like they build him off to be this really really smart guy but then when the puzzle box comes on through it just basically opens itself so yeah i'm not sure what that the purpose of that character development is in terms of him being super 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 smart well, he's trying to find out the puzzle of what's going on. So he's he's intrigued by the engineers, intrigued by finding out what's going on. He can't stop himself. He's just compelled to find out the answer. I guess so, yeah. But it would have been great as like a hubris thing of him getting the puzzle box, being told, don't open Yeah, that's this where box. I thought you we know. were going to go with that. Um, or I thought that's where they were going to go with this movie. It's just no. kind of like he, it's an obsession for him to open up this puzzle and solve this murder because that's what he does because he's super smart. I mean, in the second one, they gave it to this little girl and made her open it. So, like, <laughs> good job. <laughs> the square goes in the square hole. The triangle goes in the triangle hole. Well, the thing I never got about um, the Lamb configuration is, like, it, it always, like, and, and I get it. Like, they, it, like they talk about it in, like, some of the 
documentary and stuff that like you know they have different versions to show the different things happening to it because obviously this box can't actually do all these movements that it's doing but there's so many times where like for example the side in this one the side pops up the little thing that popped up opens and then it closes and it goes back down i'm like is that a puzzle you just did something and undid it like what does that help you with (laughs) (laughs) like like, i don't i don't understand what you're doing um so that always kind of weird me out but yeah this movie just it literally goes has sex with the hooker goes sits in the bathroom pulls out the cube and it just opens itself Mm -hmm. like great (laughs) maybe it was that coke power i don't know it, it was the power of the coke, actually. I forgot. Yeah, Sorry. Uh-huh. Okay, so maybe this is just the fact that I've never done cocaine in my life. But what is he snorting it with? Because like, it's like an inhaler. He snorts it with. I, I, I oh. don't know enough about drugs to know what exactly what he's doing I, there. But I, I don't I remember... do coke, but but I, but basically, it's um, it's it's basically one of those little things. That, you know, like it's, it's a little spigot spout that you like turn and it portions out a little bit into the little cat chamber ah, that you okay. then through. Gotcha. Like, come on. As, I've never done coke, but I can I can tell that obviously. No, I don't know. Like I knew, you know, you usually snort it, preferably with dollar bills on a glass or off a hooker's ass. One of the two. Listen, I know the finer ways to do coke. I didn't know the McDonald's way to do coke. All right, that's no a, that's, for that. that's the cla- that's, that's the classiest way. That that's like having like the gold cigarette holder of coke. It's a little a wee little glass thing that like you flip around. And, I, and like again, like I, I, it's it's interesting too to imagine like. Not imagine that it definitely probably still is, but just not in our lives and our where we live and who we are. But like just that idea that like this guy's like here's something coke and takes a little hit every now and then, like in the in the gym locker, I guess, or I guess he's at the precinct. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like hitting up. I feel like that's very like detective crooked cop thing to do. Yeah, like, definitely. Very stereotypical. I, I think really that montage at the very beginning where he basically he's having the you know noir um, voiceover where he's just like I'm not a bad person, you know, I do this because. You know, if I, my wife, as long as my wife doesn't find out I'm doing coke and sleeping with hookers, it's not going to hurt her, and I get my desires met, so it's all good. You know, ultimately, this is the path of release resistance, and we're supposed to think, oh, yeah, dude, no, you're just an asshole. But I think that was a good way of setting up his character to begin with and really get a sense of who he is. Like, it was very quick, very easy to get into it. No, that's a good point. That was such a weird fucking line. He's like, if I, if I broke up with her, it'd break her heart, so I cheat on her instead. And she's like... <laughs> I, I guess that works, man. Like, yeah, cool. And like, my daughter's always asking where I am and why I'm never home. Like, cool, man. Cool. Mm-hmm. So let, let's talk about, like, yeah, like, what do you think about our main character as a person, as a character? I think it started off very heavy handed in terms of we were supposed to hate this guy and we're supposed to be glad of the shit that happens to him. But at the same time, I also felt like once we've established that this guy is an asshole, they kind of just coasted on that for the rest of the movie. Aside from the scene where he kind of sets up his partner, he really doesn't do too much that's really, really, really dickish. The rest of the movie, it's mostly him trying to save people or, you know, trying to stop a mass murderer. Yeah, I guess. Like, do you think he's redeemable at the end of the film? Does he ever redeem? Does he have an arc in this movie? No, not really. He basically, he does no, some bad no. stuff, and then he gets punished for it. He, I think he just constantly makes bad decisions, which is, I think it's you know, part of his character, part of the hubris, part of what he's doing. He's getting himself further and further in the hole by, it, by being an asshole. Because mm. uh, we're definitely supposed to root it, against him in this movie. Not because, not you know, obviously, they, we want him to find the kid, but we don't want him to get a happy ending, so... Yeah, he's like he's not like I feel like most of these movies usually have some good character. Again, I can't remember a lot of the later ones, but the first the first four, three more, I guess, are you know, pretty 
Christy Cotton or I can't remember who the person is in the third one, but like you're following somebody, a hero of sorts, or, you know, this one is not. And I think that's part of what makes the movie unique is there is no, like, he's our hero, but he's not our hero. Like, this is like watching, um, what's that movie? Like, uh, a, a worse ending to Nightcrawler or something. It's a very, like, you don't like this guy. Hmm. And he, has, he has no charisma or anything. There's really nothing to bring him across. Yeah. Yeah, he, once again, he likes cheating on his wife and avoiding his daughter. He likes puzzles and solving things. And he likes being in control of his world. And he can't handle it when the world's, you know, out of his reach. And that's really pretty much it to him. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, then what do you think of the actor? Because I will say, hate the character. But I thought this actor was going, like, balls to the wall. Like, he was, like... He was he was trying his. I feel like he was trying. Like he wasn't even eating the scenery. He wasn't like chewing the scenery. He was just like he was acting his butt off. I feel like mm-hmm. he was he was trying to be this character as much as he could. Yeah. No. The main character uh, actor Craig Sheffer um, is he plays our Joseph Detective Joseph here, and he does a fantastic job. And that's something as I was reading like other impressions online. Um, a lot of people do praise his acting. I also see a lot of people call him like the. Um, uh, poor man's David Boreanaz, which I think is hilarious. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, who's the, who's the guy in the Hudsucker Proxy? Um, no idea. Tim Robbins. I was thinking he was like a, a a dirty version of Tim Robbins. Is that the way I thought about him too? Mm-hmm. Like Tim Robbins maybe did too much coke and then didn't have that coke anymore, and that was him throughout the entire movie, mm-hmm. like looking for his coke. Yep. Uh, so what do you think about the strengths of this movie, Andrew? Oh yeah, no, I thought I thought the conceit of it was like okay. Should we should we say the conceit at the end? Should we wait till the end of that? Like, what, what are you uh, I mean, we have long we give a spoiler warning. I think we'll be good to go. Okay. Well, um, should I give a spoiler warning? <laughs> if we want to talk about the spoilers right now. Okay. Well, here I'll say this. I think the ending was great. Uh, we'll talk about the endings later. I thought the ending to me made this movie worth it. I think without this ending, this movie would have dropped on its ass. Um, but you know, I think like like we said, the, the actors are good. I think across the board, the actors are pretty good. Um, I think it's one of those movies that suffers from the budget. Um, suffers from. I will always I will stick with I think that it is a, a, a doctored script to include Hellraiser themes, um, and I think it suffers from that. It but, feels disconnected. Like, I will give it that. <laughs> like the pacing on this movie is all sorts of off. So many scenes just meander for the longest time. Some of them don't, and and there really isn't any ebb and flow. It's just a constant railroad ride the whole way through, picking up speed until the ending, which and, I don't and personally I, think it works to its favor. No, I, I agree. And I think it, it, one thing it does well is I think it does that, like, mania aspect to it where, like, is this real? Is this not real? I think it does that well because we still don't quite know in the end if he was involved in some of what was going on or not mm-hmm. or if it was all the Cenobites. Like, that's still up for question. Like, we would argue that it was possibly the Cenobites because of what we learned at the very end. But, like, throughout the entire thing, like, there's a lot of signs that it could have been him and that he could be going fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I think it was very... I think a lot of movies do that and they don't do it well. And I thought this movie for a low budget movie for like a fifth entry in a shitty kind of horror series, like it did a good job. Yeah. And then I did like the Jacob's ladder aspect of it all in terms of you're the entire movie. You're thinking to yourself, is this real? Is it in his head? Is he going crazy? Is he not going crazy? Um, I, I feel that is a strength of this movie. Um, they do establish a pretty decent tone in that retrospect. And I think now mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the ending. So do you want, to, want anything else spoiler-free before we give our spoiler warning? Mm, no. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. 
go go see it if you want to see it. If you want to, I think the ending makes this movie worth it. So I would say if you have any interest in this movie, don't listen to the spoilers and just go watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, just be ready that it is about an hour, two hours long, almost. I think so, like an hour and a half, hour forty it's minutes. A long so like, movie. it's a slow burn, but I think literally the ending turns a movie that's kind of arduous into acceptable. So mm-hmm. check okay. it out. So spoiler warning in five, four, three, two, one. So yeah, let's talk about the ending. Um, so what was your impression of what happened in the ending? At the end? Um, yeah, because so, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what actually happens. So so the way I took it is that basically uh, since he got the box, um, he when he opened the box, he was except he was, you know, pulled in the hell and he is basically in an endless cycle of he's like, he's in limbo essentially just essentially his hell is just really living the same thing over and over again basically a puzzle he's unable to solve until he gets to the end and everyone's fucking dead mm-hmm. yeah that's the exact impression i got too where, where he opens up the box he is transported into the cenobites version of hell and his punishment is reliving these few moments over and over and over again and he's not never able to escape not only are there horrific moments but they're also like you just said moments that he can't solve and he can't fix and he can't be in control of which for him is his personal hell so i thought this was fantastic ending i really really liked it yeah no i completely agree i i I think that like again that, that slow burn to the entire movie take it or leave it i think it can turn a lot of people off i would understand a lot of people turning the movie off and being done with it mm-hmm. especially when pinhead randomly appears but i think the ending in my mind provides a new aspect of the lore and it kind of like is something that i always kind of wondered about the series it kind of answers that question of like all right so like if if the centibites show up and they're you know centibites in theory theory they're like servants of leviathan which is like the owner of hell and they're there to uh Often we see the BDSM outfits. Often we see the idea of driving pleasure, um, pleasure through pain. But also, like hell could be different for many different people. So, like mm-hmm. his so one person's hell might be very different from another's. So, like we see Frank Cotton um, get destroyed by all the hooks and stuff, and that's kind of his thing. Uh, he's vain. He's like all into his person. He's always into his looks and stuff. So it makes a lot of sense. He'd kind of become this gross thing. Um, and again, like the hooks are most of the is kind of synonymous with Pinhead. Pinhead has hooks, and he you know rips you apart. But the yeah, idea that this guy's pain is something different is his hell is different it's great i love that yeah and that's what i really really like in horror too because this is not the first time i've seen this trope um silent hill 2 also used this trope immensely and it's really interesting to you know kind of take a dive into you know how the characters see silent hill and how it caters its own experience towards these people so i really like that jacob's ladder as well kind of the same thing in terms of a character mm-hmm. you know kind of being punished to or seeing things that are specifically catered towards them. Um, I, I, I do think that aspect of psychological trauma is really interesting because basically we're taking the environment and the events and then we're using it as a form of character development, which I thought was really cool. Um, I also want to talk about the cowboy bar. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was, where does this movie take place? Like, I, in the beginning, I thought it was like a Baltimore or a New York or something like that. I and then like somewhere. California. Yeah, and then like there's a cowboy bar halfway through the movie, and like everyone's well, they, wearing cowboy hats, and it just it well, they, feels they drive like they drive a far way. They 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 go in a car and drive a while to get there. Yeah, but even then, it's just like okay, so I guess we're going there, and I guess they're showing you know, hey, we're in a Texas adjacent or Texas place right now by this cowboy bar. 
I don't know. I, I just felt totally it was very out of place. And that scene really didn't add much either, besides kind of adding that one character um, who beats him up in the woods. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. This movie does have pacing problems, I feel. Yeah, and again, that, that, that's again why I think that, like, that to me that shows a sign that this movie may have, again, been adapted from another script, and that was supposed to have something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. That... That, yeah, that's, you know, that seems pointless. Yeah. And then also, too, just there's, like, there's some weird camera angles. There's some weird stuff. And I can kind of tell that maybe it was a first-time director trying to get some stuff. Maybe it was limitations. Because I remember there was this one camera angle at the very, very beginning where our detective um, rubs his face up against his sleeping daughter's cheek. And it's, like, vertical. So, like, it's... The bed is upright in terms of the camera angle, and they linger mm-hmm. on that for like a really long time, just enough to be a little bit uncomfortable. And it's just like, all right, you're caressing your, you know, six year old daughter a little bit too much at this point, dude. But yeah, no, I, I, and I think it was weird too because like, so yeah, I, I hadn't seen this movie since college. Two thousand nine is when I last saw this movie. Um, so it's been a long time, and I knew that he, I knew that he ended up in a cycle of his own hell, but we don't really quite get how he got there. We don't know, like, aside from being a shitty person, like, I was, like, the ending, the only part of the ending that confuses me is, like, what did he do to deserve to go to hell aside from being a shitty person? Like, what did he do to deserve this death? Um, again, I mean, like, like, the puzzle. Specifically, because he's been, like, specifically is what you're talking about? Yeah, like, like I, I wanted to know, like, I wanted to see the impetus. I wanted that that flashback, that looking at himself, the reflection of himself to be showing something. Like, was the dark version of him showing his brutality? Was it showing that he was a murderer? Because I was thinking, what I thought would have been interesting at the end is if he had, like, killed his daughter and wife, something like that. And that's what, like, that's, in my mind, that's what I was building up to. I'm like, oh, he killed his daughter and wife, and that's what we're going to get at the end. We're going to reveal that, and that's what sent him to hell. All right, so let's talk about, then, the speech by Pinhead at the very, very end um, of the movie. Basically, what Pinhead says is something like, you're you've abused your body so much that it has destroyed your spirits. And it's kind of talking about the obsessions that he has, including drugs, solving the case, prostitutes, that sort of thing. So I just always assumed it was kind of those things eventually catching up to him. Yeah. I I got, I got that idea of like, yeah, the body destroying the soul and like his like darker desires leading him to being a shitty person. But I don't know. I would have liked I don't like that because like there, there's all the signs of like the daughter being like, "Dad, are you coming home? Dad, are you coming home?" And like, "When are you coming home?" Like, "Daddy, why are you home? Are you staying, Dad?" And like, to me, I thought that is like, "Oh, that's a great like." She, she's dead, and he's hearing these things from her, his dead daughter. Like, why you know, never able to come home to her essentially. So you and just basically just find... wanted Pinhead to like pull out a list and just say, "Okay, well, here's when you were shitty. Here, you know, you stole it. No, I, you I, stole I a Pokemon card from." I wanted him to kick open a door or something like that. And like, you know, like what he did when he saw the abyss and he saw himself standing in the abyss. I want yeah. to see that. But instead of seeing the abyss, he sees like his dead daughter and wife, and then his dark self standing above them or something for some and stupid it, reason. Yeah. And then it hits, um, that's why he's being punished for it. And then he has to constantly live with it over and over and over again. Yeah. Cause then it becomes the constant struggle of him trying to save them and every time failing. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I he think I keeps trying to stop the engineer. Like, no, the, it's the, like you know, that. that... Do you ever see the, uh, white Christmas episode of Black Mirror? Probably. Okay, that the snow globe episode. Mm, probably. <laughs> okay, I don't want to spoil that one, but yeah, that's basically kind of what you're talking about. There's an incident involving a snow globe in one of the episodes, and something very similar happens to a character in that episode. So I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah, that, that's sort of like to see, especially because like that. Otherwise, it makes the daughter being like, "Dad, are you coming home?" When he's right fucking there all the time. Stupid as shit. 
It's like it's like how can we make it seem like he's an absentee father? I know, I know. I have this little girl begging to see him all the time, and he's just yeah. like there, like now nah, that now nah. like that that to me like because it's not that situation, it makes that writing really bad, which mm-hmm. I didn't think of before, but now I think of it and I'm depressed. But like, <laughs> so tell tell don't show definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was weird. But yeah, yeah I like that ending. Uh, I thought the weird this, them spinning around on that wooden thing was kind of ridiculous um, with the reveal. Mm-hmm. Like, did you know that? Uh, did you figure out that the doctor slash priest was um, Pinhead slash the engineer? Yeah, it was foreshadowed pretty heavily when they were talking about the lament configuration in the uh, scene beforehand. So I figured there was something up with him. I I thought it was weird when he was like. Uh, I'm more of a therapist than I am a priest. I'm like, but you are a priest. And he's like, but, you know, I don't really know if the devil's real. And I was just like, wouldn't it be kind of weird for you as a priest not to know, like, not to think the devil's existing? Like, isn't that like, like, <laughs> okay, like, I, I know that, like, there are different, you know, aspects of religion, but I feel like that one in my mind is, like, a pretty strong thing. But also, like, it's kind of funny as Pinhead saying that, because, like, in, at least in my knowledge of the series, there is just Leviathan. I don't think there is, like, the devil, the devil. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but, but what do you think about the Cenobites in this film? Um, once again, I like their designs, but the budget is definitely sticking on through, especially since they basically just use the same two over and over and over again. The uh, the women with the wires coming from their collarbone, like they just constantly use those over and over and over again. So, And then just the costume seemed a little bit iffy too, and I'm assuming it was just a budget reason. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I thought I thought the twin girls were weird. I didn't like they again. I, I this isn't like this theoretically isn't like Silent Hill. They're not supposed to represent anything. Mm-hmm. But like I'm like oh my god, they're the sexuality and like and like the, they keep bringing Chatterer back. Like the guy with the little gnashing teeth. He's in like yep. he, there's so many different. There's even a Chatterer dog I think in the fourth one. So like Chatterer comes back in a lot of different ways. I don't know why. Um, but the paraplegic Chatter. I don't I don't know. It was, it was weird. Uh, and then like. Tongue guy, that I guess was him in the end. His lust, oh, I his murder. Yeah. He was like, I don't know. He reminded me of um, is that movie Smiley or something? That like really crappy YouTuber horror movie that came out back in the day. Um, I don't know. I thought I thought they're all kind of lame. Like Pinhead looked good. Um, mm-hmm. I wish they were in it more. I did like though that um, when he goes to the hospital for the first time, we see the human analogs of the Cenobites. We see the two nurses, which are the twins, and we see the guy in the wheelchair as um, yeah, the chatterer. I thought that was really cool. the, the, the child's laugh. Yeah, that whole scene was great, and that's actually what the uh, Reddit post I was referring to was earlier this episode, oh. where you know the guy was just like, "I just remember this guy with like his smile ripped wide from wires, and then you know someone gets brutally killed on the other side of the door, and blood pools on under." Like I thought that was a very well done scene, but. That, uh, I, I agree. I will say the blood looked like fucking like syrup or something coming out. It was like it was very viscous blood. Um, also, like coming out in mass when like theoretically these two old people are again like got. I don't know. It was, it was weird. But uh, I think that's that's again like these scenes that shine in the film are so rare. I feel like, and I feel like they could have been in it more. Like yeah, like cut out the cowboy scene. Maybe have something more lit. Because like, what does the cowboy have to do with Pinhead in this scenario? Mm-hmm. Like it's I, supposed, yeah, I, I guess it's supposed to like put a little bit more on the emphasis that the engineer is actually a real person, and kind of a oh. misdirect at that point. But we find out, you know, the engineer is not really a real person. No. It's just kind See, of all in his head. So, and that, that's what does me also. 
So the engineer, the name of the engineer is actually a character in the Hellraiser lore. <laughs> oh, uh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Do, do you remember? Um, do you remember the first one and the second one? I believe he's in it as well. There's this kind of like weird creature that crawls around the labyrinth. I think when when um, in the first movie, Christy first opens it up, this thing comes out and it has like hands. It's, the, it's at the very end of the movie uh, when they try to they have to fight it off against the box after they kind of banish the Cenobites out. This thing kind of comes out of the wall. It's this baby kind of thing, and it, it chased them around the second movie too in the in the uh, in the pyramid or the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's the engineer. Okay, gotcha. So like, well, like it's the engineer. It's the engineer. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. All right, and um, I forget what the name of. There's also the name for the guy who has the box in the first one. The guy who gives Frank Cotton the box, and the guy who takes the box away at the end. Some guy kind of fly grabs it and flies away. I don't think he was the engineer. Um, but I thought that would have been more interesting to tie in somebody outside of Pinhead. And it, and to me, it would have like the engineer kind of makes sense in the sense that he's the guy in the labyrinth in hell. So like he'd be orchestrating like. Let's see how we torture this guy. While well, Pinhead is uh, is more of the I forget they call him in the original books. Uh, I, I read I read the short. I remember actually reading the short story originally in college, messing in a math class. I didn't want to do math work, so I, I pulled up on my computer, supposed to be doing work, and read the story. <laughs> but anyway, um, like Pinhead is is like an arbiter of what's going on, but he is not like I don't like the the engineer is uh, more of like a, a presence. Yeah, I, I, the priest. Is that maybe? Yeah, he, hell priest. Yeah, they call they call him the hell priest in the in the book. Um, yeah, because I remember Clyde Barker was just like, I don't like the name Pinhead. I would rather call it the priest or something like that. Mm-hmm. They, they actually, the Scarlet Gospels came out a little while ago, which is kind of like an up, an update to this, um, not update, but like the sequel kind of to the Hellbound Heart. Um, oh, okay, but I, I never read it. Uh, well, I actually started reading it, but then I, it, weird scenes that happened in it, and I stopped reading it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But anyway, yeah, that's that's the kind of confused threw me a little bit, and I was like, "Oh, he's an engineer. That's funny." And like, I don't know if when Pinhead and he's like, "Oh, you're the engineer." And Pinhead's like, huh, "That's a name, I guess." Like, I don't know if that was a throwback to that, or again, was the person writing this script didn't fucking think about it and was like, oh, "Isn't there already a character in this canon called that?" Yeah, like, we'll toss it on in. It's like the Silent but, Hill sequels. They're just like, "Yeah, we'll just toss Pyramid Head in there." Well, for me, I, I don't. I, I'm, I don't even think it was that intentional. I think it was an accident. <laughs> and that that kind of kills me i think that i think it was an accident and for that reason i'm like oh fuck like come on um mm-hmm. but i will say i thought pinhead looked really good in this movie i thought he i thought his, his costume looked good um i never noticed before that he had like a umbilical cord kind of coming out of his tummy he had like a little yep. like whoop. i didn't see that before um mm-hmm. but i thought i know again he looked good um if you ever see hellraiser not J- judgment's the newest one the one before that uh it's really bad and they they, they basically have got new pinheads since then and Nobody holds the candle to Junk Jones. No, uh, definitely. He not. looked. He looks so good. Yeah. No. But it, it some is... of the other um, production quality too kind of surprised me. Like I did like the scene at the very beginning where um, the two female Cenobites are feeling him up, and then one of them slips her hand under his skin. Like I thought mm-hmm. that was a great, you know, kind of mix between pain and pleasure that uh, what the Cenobites yeah. are so new for him. So that that was a good scene. That's a good point. Yeah, I think that's the part that actually does that. Though, like, I feel like that's their scene, and they just kind of disappear. <laughs> like, yeah, like there's that scene at the end where he's walking through the little room, and he's like, "Oh, there you guys are on the left. Oh, their chatter is on the right." And he just like goes <laughs> on through. Um, I do like. I love his like. I thought it was cool the way they had him like at the end popping into different places where people got killed by the Cenobites and more or less killing them again. Like he had to basically kill everybody who died over and over again, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like basically accounting for his own sins, killing people who he, he tried to save them, then they turned out he has to kill them again. It's like that double, like, you know, he didn't want to kill his partner. He didn't want to kill, like, uh, his grandparents again. Like, I thought, or parents, I guess, again. I thought, I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Good stuff. But, yeah. I know. Right. Uh, do you, after watching this, do you have any interest in watching the others? Not, not for the podcast, just in general. I have an interest in going back and watching the first couple ones. I mm. don't really have an interest in watching the other ones because I just know this is the best it's going to get. And to be completely honest, like this is a 7 out of 10 movie. It's surprisingly good for what it set out to do. But it's nothing amazing, nothing groundbreaking. And there are a lot of better movies than this one in the vein of like the psychological horror sort of thing. But I am kind of interested in going back and watching the first three again, because I don't remember them too well, to be completely honest. How about you? No, the, the first two are the first two are great. Uh, now, I, I, I do want to go watch them and watch them again, because it's been, it's been a while since I've watched them. Uh, but I think the first two are still great. There, there's actually a great documentary on the first two called Viathan, which is a fun watch. I really want them at some point to do like what they did with um, Never Sleep Again, that Nightmare on Elm Street documentary, like that four-hour-long one. I want them to do that for this. But I mm-hmm. think part of the reason that probably won't happen is... Um, I think that the, I think it kind of goes the way of Friday Thirteenth, where they kind of got owned by different people at one point. But also, I think um, again, like because these movies aren't great, really. After the fourth one, they aren't very like intentionally directed. I feel like after the fourth, I yeah, don't and know that the fun way, like you know, Leprechaun movies, where they just like, yeah, we know this is crazy, we know this is shit. I, I, I feel like the later movies just there's no fun in them. Yeah, like I, I'd, I'd almost argue that like. Hellraiser is iconic, but more towards the sense of Michael Myers than Freddy or Jason, in the sense that, like, the evil is never really meant to be made fun of. The evil is never really meant... Like, it's it takes itself very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's uh, great, but also, unless you want to continue this idea of, like, different hells or something like that, you have to get kind of creative. And I think that exploring... Um, you know, the the other side exploring uh, Leviathan and stuff would be an interesting way to go. But they, they really came, seem to keep it to these on-Earth experiences with Pinhead as the central focus point, which I thought was surprising because I thought they could have replaced Pinhead to a degree. Like, he doesn't need to be there. He was never really a big character. Um, but they really stick with him and they keep trying to replace him. And I know they're talking about doing either a TV series or a remake or something soon. And I almost wish they'd just get rid of Pinhead. Like, let Doug Jones be Pinhead and now have a new Cenobite come up. Like, have the other Hell Priest or ever be that, just not Pinhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something new, definitely. But again, it's kind of budget reasons at that point. Because if you want to do something really creative and really do a dive into the mythos and hell and everything like that, it's going to get a lot more expensive. And Hellraiser, unfortunately, is just not as big a poll as, you know, Nightmare on End Street or Halloween or Friday the 13th. That's true. And like I think also Hellraiser's taken a st- stupid drive like not to tell people who like this but um there's a very you know there's the bondage kind of aspect of that other there's a kind of subculture aspect to um hellraiser that other series don't really have and hellraiser judgment is fucking weird but it kind of goes to the gross out factor a lot more like i remember this one part where like a guy is getting uh audited his sins are being audited it's a different way of showing this uh what we kind of saw here and that basically some guy types up the sins on a paper uh he puts tears child's tears on it or something eats it vomits it up into something then some other weird creatures like touch it with their fingers and stuff and that's how they they deem him it's like this overly gross and complex process just for the sake of being like almost like how miyazaki he shows like the way they create food and how great that and cool complex he shows it it's Mm -hmm. like that but like but it's a typical eaten beef got it it's just like it's just fucking like it's it's gross and it's like and I think that's unfortunately where some of this series kind of got 
like the very kind of the kind of Gorno, but like not even Gorno. Gorno would be more acceptable in what they're doing in Judgment. And I'm kind of afraid of that that's what happened to the series. So I think if they do bring it back, they need to kind of go back to the first one again, back to this one where it's more of a meaningful what, thing. What always appealed to me about Hellraiser, well, one, the body horror. Um, I, I thought the first two especially did a fantastic job with that. But two, I just, I really liked the idea of Pinhead and the Cenobites. They are, you know, servants of this hell demon Leviathan. But they do have a strict moral code that they abide by. You know, they they don't just go around killing willy-nilly for people. You know, it's you have to open the lament configuration. You have to abide by these specific rules, and then they'll come after you, um, which I always found really interesting. No, I, I agree. But I will say there are times where they kind of, like, nerf them a bit, where they're like, oh, like, I'll make a trade for you. Or they're like, if I do this, then I can get out of it. Like, there there's some really weird scenes like that where, like, I don't know, like, because at times uh, the Cenobites are imposing and interesting, and other times, in other you'll, like other iterations of them, and other times when they appear, they're really not, and it's kind of weird. <laughs> like <laughs> they they kind of go back and forth, where like, the character will be like, "Well, uh, you didn't say that that way," and they're like, "Ah, oh, fuck, you're right. I guess I didn't." I guess I, and it's just like no, like, uh, like the comics explore. I, I've read some of the comics. In the comics, he's he's a brutal motherfucker. And it's great, um, and I mean, they just kind of need to figure out what they want to do, um, and actually have. I think I mentioned this in the past. Um, do you know who, um, I don't know, that's his name. Ah, shit. Max Landis is. Uh, yes. Uh, Chronicle and he became in, there was some outrage against him. I don't remember what. Yeah. Exactly. He's had a bunch of outrage, but he's great. Uh-huh. He has a, he has a YouTube video, a uh, YouTube channel. And, uh, he basically one night pitched this screen pitch called Hellbound. Um, and it's this really cool, uh, mixing together different characters like Chucky's in it, uh, Freddy's in it, Jason's in it, uh, Leprechaun's in it. Like basically, he tried to make this big tr- uh, story, which basically follows this kid who gets sacrificed to the cult of the Thorn from Michael Myers um, uh, by these by these rich white people, um, and he kind of goes through it. And Pinhead's in it as well. Pinhead's a kind of major antagonist. But it's honestly kind of where I want... It's like basically Pinhead in them, you know, it's still hell. So like all these characters are still there and Pinhead's still there as like a, an arbiter of it. Um, and it's really interesting. And um, he, I think, just to tie into it, I think he, after that pitch, after he kind of just pitched it, there's a great video you should watch it and just listen to what he talks about. It's a really cool concept. And he kind of tells it out to you, like what goes on, does some voices and stuff. Um, I don't want to spoil the ending because it's great. But um, yeah, I think he's writing the script for it. And so he's going to release that soon too. Um, gotcha. but that to me is like a great way to continue pinhead in a comical, but also like time and other like, universes, uh, without repeating the same story again, which they've seen to be doing with a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And it, no, I'm looking at Max Landis because I know there was something about him. No, in 2017, he had a bunch of, uh, sexual assault accusations against him. Oof. So that's why, that's why I remember him. Cause I remember seeing Chronicle and I liked it. And then as I continued to, like, watch his stuff, like, The Death and Return of Superman, I was just like, yeah, this is fine. This is great. And I remember that kind of all came out. But yeah, apparently mm-hmm. eight different people uh, spoke out against him. That's unfortunate. So, That's oof, not good. Yeah, it is. But separating artists from their work, I will say yes. <laughs> his uh, his uh, Superman American Alien comic is fucking great. Um, okay, cool. I'll just check it out. Just that out there. Uh, but also, one more random fact. Do you remember, do you hear one of the ways that they were just going to end Freddy vs. Jason? Uh, yeah, they were going to have uh, Pinhead Pokemon at the very, very end. Yeah, he's, he's going to pull him down to hell. What's going to make what uh-huh. ended? And I was like, oh! That would have been, been so cool. The but only I mean, way that could have been topped is if Ashley Williams came on out. 
Yeah, but they, they, we have the comic for that. There's a great comic about that, <laughs> it, which is the official sequel of that movie, just so you know. Uh, but my, my only thing about that is I think he'd pull them down, and Freddie and Jason would just be like, you know, at this point, they're comical, especially in that movie. They're very comical. They'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> like, I'm a serious guy about hell. And they'd be like, we both died. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, you're right. Good point. <laughs> I think I, I, as much as I want to see that crossover, I don't know how that would work in that context. Um, yeah, but no, yeah, I, I, I think the sequel's too late for that. But I, honestly, I, I'm glad we got to talk about this movie. I, again, as I mentioned, this movie that, like, back when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is really good for some reason. Like, I'm surprised. And, like, I've never heard anybody else talk about it. So when you were like, let's watch this, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I'm glad that we both kind of have stories about this already, too. But, uh, yeah, overall, I think both of our impressions are relatively the same. It's a 7 out of 10 movie, surprisingly good for a Hellraiser sequel. One of the better direct-to-video ones, but it's uh, got some problems. Actually, you know, I, I'm going to dial back a little bit. I don't know if it's 7 out of 10. Because to me, to me, 7 out of 10 is, like, I'd watch it a few times. Like, this one, I, like, I need breaks between it. So I might give it, like, a 6. Like, I, I might, can see that. This, I might need, like, because, you know, you talked about, like, you know, uh, with AVPR, we talked about, like, a, you know, a good movie's never boring. I would argue there's a lot of boring parts of this movie. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, mm-hmm. So, to me, like, maybe, like, a maybe a 5.56, like, I don't dis I, I like it for the element it adds to the lore, but I don't love it. Like, I, I don't think it, like, for example, Alien 3, you know, using Alien as a reference, is a long movie where not a lot happens until kind of the end. But I think mm-hmm. it does the tension better and keeps you more engaged a lot better. Like, And I think that this movie kind of falls flat on that a bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to give it a 6 out of six out of 10, but definitely you should watch it. Like, Maybe you should watch it once, but you should watch it. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad I watched it once. I am probably not going to watch this movie for another 10 years at the very least. So yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I individually bought this movie on Voodoo a long time ago as soon as I saw it was for sale one day. So like, buy it on sale. Or watch it on YouTube for free. It's on there for some reason. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's there if you guys want to find it. But you know, it's it's a it's a good watch. And again, I think I think it's I think if you watched Hellraiser one through five, that would be a nice place to stop. Because mm-hmm. four is weird. Have, have you seen four? I have not seen four. Uh, four four like literally covers three different timelines up to the future, <laughs> like space. <laughs> Like they they go to space in the fourth movie, just like uh, just like uh, Leprechaun does. Pinhead in space. <laughs> it, it is Pinhead in space, but it, it's interesting. It's it's stupid, but you know it's all right. Um, but yeah, overall good watch. So cool. next episode, you and I talked about doing uh, the Thing, two thousand eleven, the prequel, the, the, the prequel, Thing. Yes, yeah. The original Thing is one of my favorite horror movies of all time, if not my favorite horror movie of all time. Uh, you mean you mean the remake thing? God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The great movie. No, no, no. The original, the the '80s John Carpenter, not the Thing from Another World. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be really upset at me about that one, but yeah, the '80s John Carpenter movie um, is one of my favorite horror movies of the all time. So I'm curious to see because um, I think I watched the re- prequel with you when we were back in Korea. I wouldn't be surprised. Weekly. Yeah, I, I think we did. So, But it's been a few years, so I want to check it again, see how it is, especially mm. as um, little details and that sort of thing, too. So that was, is our next movie. Yeah. I would say that that movie used to be my AVPR, and like, it still kind of is, in the sense that I'll watch it every once in a while. I'm like, it can't have been that bad. And I'll watch it again. I'm like, <laughs> holy fuck, this was bad. Um, so just just be ready for that. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to come to the defense of it the way I came to the defense of AVPR. I think that yeah, definitely. But I, I um, know for a fact we'll definitely reference Alien in some way. 
So anyway, so this is the thing that uh, has an antagonist that's an alien. Speaking of alien, (laughs) one more thing. What you got? Um, So, Dan, I think another homework you should do aside from watching that is go and find the short story things. Read it. Read it. You read it? Did you you love it? Oh, did I already send it to you? It It was great. I fucking love it. So anybody who hasn't, um, there's a short story, search it up, called Things. And it's the movie The Thing from the perspective of The Thing. The original, uh, not the original, but John Carpenter one. And it is great. It's like harrowing at times. It, it like makes you feel kind of sad for the thing. It's so well written, um, and it, I think it kind of answers the question of what happened at the end, which I thought was cool. Um, but it's awesome. So if anybody you know has seen the thing a million times, and like oh, I've seen it a million times, I've read, I've read uh, Who Goes There like twenty times. Read things. It's great. But just so you know, things is not a. It's not Who Goes There. It's not parallel to Who Goes There. It's parallel to the movie The Thing. So for anybody who's read Who Goes There. I'm sure we'll talk about it next episode. Anyway, thank you so much to our opening theme song. That is Horror Movie Story by the Bad Teddy's Atlas. You can get that off the album Children of the Corn. They are good, good Canadian boys. Any last thoughts, Andrew? I want to come up with some really cool like Hellraiser quote, but I don't know. Jesus weeps. <laughs> Jesus wept. God, what a good scene. It was. That was, I, I, apparently like, that, was that may have been improv. I can't remember. Uh, mm-hmm. Or what's what's one like? I have sights to show you, or the sights I will show you, or something. <laughs> all right, stuff. all right. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. Bye.